The theme for the talk with you this afternoon is uh, the teachings of dependent arising. <coughs> the two words, dependent arising, sometimes in the old text, dependent origination, but precisely <coughs> dependent arising, uh, truly deep, truly profound, are the few areas which fall, I would say, into the unarguable. I explain in a few minutes' uh, uh, time. It would be extraordinarily hard to refute dependent arising. And it's a matter of the actuality of life, the entire field of human experience, the diversity of sentient kind, and all that we see here from the far heavens above to this earth below, all of it is reliant, is dependent, on the causes and conditions for it to arise without exception. And therefore it's, it is called dependent arising or sometimes co-dependent arising. It is so significant that it is in a way the heart and the body of the Buddha's Dharma. And when, after the realizations, many of them, one of them of dependent arising, from the tree, or under the tree in Bodh Gaya, he really had this uh, doubt or concern whether it really could be understood what he had uh, realized there. So I'm mentioning this to you now because you may have the same response after 50 minutes. <laughs> you won't be the first. So, we'll take one or two examples of what I mean and then uh, from that uh, explore some uh, aspects uh, of it. So, simple thing. I take the watch. It looks like, it appears like, it seems like <coughs> that the watch itself is a thing of itself. It seems like it's separate from other things. Here is a watch. And that view reifies in Dharma language, gives it selfness. It is something. And then on top of the watch, easily can go, of course, my watch. And then the watch is a thing which I am in possession of. I have this watch. And there are lots of other things in the world which are not mine, which I may want or not want, and they may belong to others, 
or not. And it seems, therefore, I live in a world of I, my, things which we have and which we don't have, and that is our existence. And it could be, um, because some will say, this is what it means to live in the real world. This is the real world. But this real, real world is based on fiction, based on, dare I say, fake news. And, and it only takes a little exploration to start questioning the validity and the seeming obviousness of the view. What is the watch? And, obviously, where does it come from? How did it arrive in this guy's hand? And then a little inquiry, ah, the watch is made up of, looks like leather, I do apologise uh, for that. The watch is made up of metal, it is made up of multiple bits and pieces, it tells the time. Well, how did that come together? Oh, because there were people working in a factory who put it together. How did that get to the factory? Because there was persons who designed this kind of watch. And as you know, sometimes you go, if you're unfortunate enough, into the airport and you'll see a shop or in your local high street just selling watches of all sorts of sizes and costs and prices. You saw one so long ago, like 11,000 pounds, 12,000 for It only tells the time. It doesn't do anything different from a 10 pound watch. The reason I have this watch is my, my mother gave it to me for my 90th birthday or some other date. More importantly, it is dependently arising. It has no inherent existence. It, it exists because multiple people, multiple machinery, the resources of the ground, all of that coming together so that this dependently arose. It could not be any other way. It is indisputable. It could not make itself. It could not come out of itself. It cannot even sustain itself. I'm holding out here, and I should be careful here, and I, and I, and I drop it, probably something might happen to it. You know, it's a cheap Seiko watch. Something it might, might go with it. So it can't sustain itself, it can't create itself, and it can't destroy itself. It is dependently arising, it is dependently staying, and it is dependently passing. Who on earth could say that's not true? Who on earth could say that's a load of bullshit? If it applies to the watch, 
it also and equally, of course, applies to everything our eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch land upon. To every state of mind, to every condition of the consciousness. We live in a vast field, field is a kind of metaphor here, of that which is dependently arising. And we wonder, how is it that I forget to see that? Why is it when I drop the watch or I lose whatever item uh, it may be or it breaks down or it changes or it gets stolen or, or whatever? What is it that's stopping me from seeing quietly and clearly wisely <coughs> this arose in the field of time still staying with the watch here this stayed in the field of time and this passed in the field of time what, what's the problem in just seeing the simple we might say truth of this and being quite clear about it and not to expect it really to be different and of course there are items which includes people who, for whom in our relationship to the world outside so to speak and in out there we may arise we may stay and of course we may pass before the other and in the white haired club starts to get more obvious we're in this world, we leave this world others pass on and so the generations go so a practice of exploration uh, and inquiry is seeing this clearly because there is no in this world of things people and things there is no exception if there was an exception show me where what? If there was an exception, that which stayed, which we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, felt, thought about and experienced, that which stayed, if it was not dependently arising, it would be independently arising. It would arise of itself. And it would not need anything. It's independently arising. Show. Where? What? Can a tree independently arise without the earth, without water, without light, etc.? Can you and I, can we independently arise without all the support that uh, ensures our life? So we meditate, reflect on the bare simple truth of this to see what is its significance in our life to really see in this way. And when we are not seeing in this way there will be suffering. Sorry I'm labouring with the watch a bit uh, here. It's symbolic of anything. <coughs> We'll get to the human being in a moment or two. There is the, uh, the relationship with the watch. 
I could say to myself, oh, my mum, I loved her so much. She kindly, we went to this shopping mall. That wasn't so kind to take me there. But anyway, we went to the shopping mall in, um, in Brisbane. And she said to me, oh, what, what would you like for your 60th birthday? And I said, oh, the watch is broke. Would you like to get me a watch? So I got the watch. And then I said, oh, I have this watch. This watch is my watch. And then I might say, oh, my mum, such a great soul. She gave it to me when I was 60, and now I'm well into my 70s. Oh, it's really means so much to me and I transfer into it such a special watch it's been so faithful and etc and I'm building up around this around my watch nostalgia and history or, and perhaps you've got a watch that your grandmother or grandfather gave <coughs> to you oh, oh. watch out watch out supposing you drop it it falls down the plug hole you leave it in your Indian guest house my watch it meant so much to me I had it for so long it's a family heirloom what will mummy say to me Excuse the theatrics, but you get the point. So, there is the bare watch. There is, quote-unquote, the owner of the watch. But, whoa, whoa. What else is going wrapped around it? What else is being built on top of it? All of it feeding the identification. Feeding the possessiveness. Feeding its mind and feeding fear of loss. Feed, feeding it might break down. Because it's being given what it doesn't have. We forgot it doesn't have self-existence. It never had. If it had self-existence, it couldn't change. It wouldn't be dependently arising. It's got self-existence. Nothing could affect it. It couldn't grow old. It couldn't break down. Because it's got its own independent self-existence. Why do you think some of us have got grey hair, white hair? Some of us have lost our hair. Some of us are looking for our hair finding it in the hairbrush or, or wherever it uh, might, uh, might be. It's not that we say, you know, I'm bored being a brunette. I used to be a brunette, by the way. I'm uh, bored with this. I think I'll change my hair, etc. And the colours and all that, all that which goes on, why does it go on? Why can't I stay just the same? Why is it like the Buddhist monk said to a friend of mine, I hadn't seen Christopher for about 15 years. I hadn't seen him for 15 years. My God, he's proof of the ageing process. 
you know. But I didn't say, well, I think I'll... I like getting old. I think I'll get older and have a few more lines and wrinkles and crow's feet around my eyes, etc. No, no. It's dependently arising. Age, change, climate, diet, air, pollution, etc. It's all impact. It's dependently arising. Get used to it. See it for the fact that it is. Live with it. Don't be afraid of it. And in the truth of all of that, one starts to look, wow, do I really want to give self-existence to something which it doesn't have? What on earth would I want to do that for? What do I want to exaggerate it to the point that that which I look at can end up giving me so much suffering and unhappiness and disappointment just because I'm not looking at it as dependent arising I'm looking at it as mine as self-existent (coughs) this was (coughs) cough too dependent arising and hopefully dependently passing soon enough alright so there is these conditions uh, there and we do need to respond to them not saying oh it's dependent arising I think I'll die no no it's dependently arising we look at the condition we see what steps we can make and to change the conditions when the dependently arising is causing us suffering what are the conditions which arose this is the second deep truth of the Buddha here what are the conditions which arose that dependently arose in a situation over which the consequences the self is suffering over unhappy, stressed out disappointed, worried frantic, what are the conditions that I didn't notice and as a result this state of mind is going on it it is the exaggeration of importance of something when we're greedy negative, fearful uh, worried projecting too much we have exaggerated its significance we put more onto it than what it needs or what it deserves and actually what it is plenty of things we are, you and I we're quite comfortable with dependent arising we are when we're in a good rhythm and flow with life it's a real indicator to us we're just moving with the dependent arising flow the process the becoming the movement of life that can go on there. but you and I know we hope we know anyway that there are certain areas of life where we easily grasp onto which we give selfness that means we isolate him, her, this or that from everything else and invest a lot of significance in its condition whatever that might be to the point 
that it's a pressure in our life and it's a kind of pressure on the other uh, as well. And it might just be, you and I, we might just look at our life and we might notice, actually, it might be very, very few people out of the seven and a half billion of us wandering around this planet, might be just be a small handful of people with whom we recognize <coughs> need to understand a little bit more about dependent arising so I'm not f- afraid of, I'm not blaming, and you turn and say, oh, that person's behavior, his or her actions, <coughs> what she has said or didn't say, that was dependently arising, lots of conditions brought that uh, about, and I want to understand that. Not to deny it, I might need to understand it and speak about it, I might need to understand it and take some action to respond to, to address, vitally important. It's not a recipe for passivity. But I can do it without heaping fear and blame upon I understand dependent arising. And similarly, with regard to... uh, Uh, our so-called self uh, as well. Sometimes we are rather afraid of other people. We might be afraid of whatever, the way they think about us or what they say of us and uh, attitude towards us that might be in a general way might be certain kinds of people uh, 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 in our life and somehow or other in this human condition we easily transfer project papancha the Buddhist word here we easily transfer an authority over to the other or the others over our peace of mind what on earth would we want to do that for we have our quiet authority we are with ourselves and we kind of can forget that and we've got a habit we haven't seen this habit and the habit is the constant, regular need for attention and recognition and approval from others. We kind of, we want to be liked. And if somebody or the other likes us or loves us or says good things to us uh, in whatever way that uh, may be, we can feel really good about ourselves. So there's something sometimes we feel lacking inside the being, something kind of missing. We're not sure what that might be, or even what it's about. We might start to psychologize uh, there, and we say, oh, the reason for this lack inside of myself is my mother didn't love me enough. I didn't get enough love from my mother. And that's missing in my life. 
and therefore because I don't live at home anymore and anyway if I did I still wouldn't be getting the love I need so I find myself looking to another to love to be loved by uh, there and find a neediness because uh, something is, 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 is lacking and unfortunately it's the hole in the bucket no matter how much we might receive from the other with the touch which is upon us uh, there it's still the regularity and the frequency of the, the reaching out the practice here and here that means here in our life can I stop please just for a, a moment or two and really ask oneself honestly and deeply really do I really need to keep reaching out for the approval from people do I really need to transfer authority to the other to make me feel okay because if I get it and I feel that I will really then think oh I got it from her I got it from him oh that's, that's going to make me feel good so I'm going to go to somebody else and somebody else or even worse keep going back to that same person because I want her attention or his attention and that, what's that person going to do after a period of time it's going to be the mantra get me out of here whoa this person is so needy and wants so much from me whoa I can't handle it bye bye and the person is left feeling isolated and lonely and unwanted and unloved and then looking who is going to be my next victim sorry to put it in that language but you know what I mean uh, etc come back to the point <coughs> can we stop be steady and still enough with, uh, with the being and in a way just say actually I'm a human being actually I'm okay there are plenty of moments in the day when we're not reaching out for the other plenty of times emotion, but we want to make that time so crystal clear we love that moment and in the loving of that moment and we're really clear about it the outreach gets significantly reduced and what's noticeable about that when we're calm and steady enough and we're not demanding on the other do you know what happens with other people? Wow, do they give us so much love? That's what happens. When you and I, and I are not demanding and we're not wanting and we're not putting pressure and we're kind of okay in ourselves and we're getting on with our life and we're happy and we're content and not needy, other people give us so much love. They give us too much. Get me out of here. There's too much love coming in this direction. <laughs> Whatever, I'm joking, but you know what I mean. So that sense is an, another expression of dependent arising. 
And when the kindnesses and love come to us, which are important, they genuinely are uh, nourishing, it can land with us and we feel, not perfectly, feel rather fulfilled, uh, okay. And what comes out of us is gratitude. It is appreciation for her or his kindness, for the gestures, for the words, for what she or he do uh, for us. And we love to express that, and we love to appreciate that. We heard from yesterday evening with the good masseur there, that sometimes it leaves a doubt in the mind when one's offered a service to others, and she or he says no word, no recognition, no appreciation. Feel for the person uh, when that happens. And we need to remember the countless numbers of acts of kindness, and quite often we need to verbalise it. We need to say thank you. We need to express our appreciation and our gratitude and those acts of kindness. We can receive, but we also can express. And sometimes people get a little disheartened because they're giving out a lot of kindness and friendship and knowledge and skills and time and energy and it's just being taken for granted. So exploration and practice is both inner and outer and as I mentioned sometimes just maybe a few people in our life while we are here to give a little reflection on and our relationship to him, her, them young or old as they might might be. Equally with this, uh, this field of um, the, uh, dependent uh, arising and really uh, uh, exploring of it, uh, the Buddha in the teachings gives some quiet analysis to it uh, and the various links or conditions uh, there. And it's valuable to pick up on them, what I have, it, have in mind here. Sometimes we're not seeing clearly what's going on with us. Avijja, not seeing clearly. This is a, a condition. <coughs> Just didn't see clearly. From not seeing clearly, it touches some kind of habit. It could be to do good, something nice. It could be something um, um, unwholesome or problematic or or difficult. And from the not seeing and the movement, it lands in the consciousness, in the person, in the human being, in us, in our present moment there. And this influences. So there is the dependent arising, not seeing, giving rise to a certain movement in the mind, which lands in the consciousness, it influences, affects the way of, li- of seeing, and that dependent arising of those three, not seeing tendency onto the consciousness, dependent arising, really <coughs> affects our whole way of looking at life. And we might think 
the way I'm looking at this, the judgments that I am making, the views and opinions, we might think these are independent, I am clear, as one woman said, Tori, with regard to her partner, she said to him, you have a choice. You can be right or we can have a relationship. Sharp, crystal clear question. You can be right or we can have a relationship. And sometimes we think we are so right we know with a conceit and an arrogance and the self in its prime, you know, I'm right, I know, don't argue with me. And the self has wrapped itself around the view and one can't see it is dependently arising. It's coming out of those murky conditions there. And it's moved through the being, moved through the feeling, the mind, the thought. It's manifested in the consciousness, it's landed in the voice and that holding to the view uh, there. And so when we have an absolutist kind of view, which is then probably blocking, <coughs> pardon me, the other view, <coughs> can we ask, stop, where, does it, where is it coming from? What's the background to this? What is it that I didn't see and notice that I end up with this view? It's serious for our species. Every single war that ever took place could only arise because of clinging to a view. It couldn't have arisen in any other way. Every conflict, every argument, every brutal there. friend of mine doing wonderful uh, uh, work he works with violent men who engaged in violence through, through domestic violence he has groups as many of you know east and west, north and south there's a huge amount of domestic violence My, those is a as a director, associate director actually, you know, women's aid dealing with domestic violence so the family has a lot of discussion about uh, this area. So this friend male friend working with a group in terms of the domestic violence and he went out with one of the guys during the workshop he's got a history of domestic violence and they're walking along uh, the, the pavement. This is uh, in New Zealand, uh, there. And a woman is walking by with her dog. And the guy, and the dog was close to him, walking in the opposite direction. He immediately tries to kick the dog hard. Missed, fortunately. And the counsellor, the therapist, turned to him and said, 
why do you want to kick the dog? And he said, well, I thought it was going to get in my way. And, and no lack of recognition there. No kind of mindfulness of awareness of interconnectedness of human and animal of respect, of sensitivity it was kind of uncensored you might say and therefore the rage and the anger just went straight onto the animal uh, uh, there and it's no easy task for those of you who work in the field of psychology and psychotherapy and counselling and violence and war conflict resolution, whatever to find the skillful ways and means to alter behaviour which is to put an end to the dependent arising which is current it's extraordinary insight of the Buddha into this uh, situation of, uh, of our species so we apply it here what brought this about? What were the causes and conditions? What was dependently arising so that this manifest, whatever it might be? And rather similarly and appropriately, outwardly. And that applies globally, economically, socially, family, personally. We look, let's look into the field of dependent arising. See what changes that can be introduced and be creative and uh, uh, explore it's such a, a precious uh, dedication years ago making um, reference to my uh, late mum uh, here um, I've had, sometimes with, with parents and late parents, time to time, some of you know as well, we are kind of uh, touched and feel the blessings of their uh, presence in the world, the uh, contribution uh, there. And I know, just take my mum for uh, any... Uh, Example of what I, what I mean in the dependent arising. Her mum, that means my uh, uh, grandmother, was a dancer, a professional dancer in the theatre in the 1920s. That's what, she, that's what she did. And that meant a lot of moving around, one theatre to another, etc. And my Poor old young mum, under 10 years of age and so forth, was kind of farmed out to relatives and didn't have a steady uh, upbringing. And then my uh, grandmother, very lovely, very beautiful uh, woman, um, met a man who was in the fledgling airline business of the late 1920s and the early 1930s there and he was a, a manager and, and she loved travel it got passed on to my mum got passed on to uh, myself and, and so gave her the opportunity in these rather flimsy aeroplanes 
of the late 1920s and early 30s and she said oh, I, I went to Lebanon, to Beirut and uh, um, to Cairo and to uh, uh, Baghdad and to Jordan, Amman, to these tiny little airports and the man that she met um, well, spent two years as the manager of Baghdad uh, airport and one plane a month came in landed on the sand there was a barbed wire fence around uh, there and he waited for the plane to come in and refill it up with the fuel for the next stop and, and this was in the late 1920s point of the story here is, in a way she had parents who really neglected her uh, their family split up that means my grandmother and her first husband mum and her young brother were quite young and as I said they were, went from one house to uh, another because my grandmum was into the dancing and the theatre and also into the travelling etc so not a good upbringing through, due to neglect and one might think, well, this would then have you know, difficult consequences later in, in life, in the psychology of things. You ne- neglect your kids, your kids are going to be angry, they're going to grow up and that, that, there. But sometimes, this is the point, that dependent arising didn't occur. And even what could have been, to use that word the other day, traumatic, my mum went to a school in the north of England and she had some, what they call it, vitestance, it's a kind of itch and irritation and just in the classroom, she was eight years of age, couldn't keep still. And the Catholic nun in the classroom tied her to the chair and that rope which was around her went across her neck and it left a permanent scar because the rope dug deep into, in, into the neck, the, the, these kind of experiences. So in spite of the neglect, in spite of the abuse from the, from the teacher, uh, there, whatever it was, and, and my mother couldn't quite understand, there, out of all of that came an extraordinary, if I may say, because I'm a son, so I have some experience, <laughs> an extraordinary loving mother, it's not that dependently arising will therefore bring about you know, a problematic life and, and unhappy kids or, or, or whatever. That the human being in those conditions, those conditions, something happens. And, and she was a, a single mum and she said to me, she said, because she was a Catholic, so it might have been a bit of guilt running around. So she, she, she said to me, you know, she said, I went with your father, who I had never actually met. She said, I went with your father for a weekend in a cheap hotel in Leeds. I don't know if you know Leeds, but it's in the, <laughs> in the, in the north of England there. And she said, the first time I made love, I got pregnant. And my mum would not tell a lie because the terror of going to hell for telling a lie. So she, 
uh, uh, there. And then for two years, we lived in a little farm with the 27 cows and the owner of the uh, uh, there. And she said, you know, she said, Chris, she calls me Chris, she said, no, Chris, she said, you spent the first two years of your life living, that means sleeping, in the bottom drawer with a blanket underneath in a chest of drawers in the bedroom. <coughs> how, how cool is that? <laughs> eh? Bottom drawer, the, the whole picture of it. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, uh, yeah, it has appeal to ex-Buddhist monks, you know, maybe that's the way of many. <laughs> Wood, you know, chest and drawer, anyway, <laughs> there. And when I went to visit, visit her, and, uh, as I did annually, she emigrated to Australia when she was 78, probably to get away from me, I'm, anyway, and actually to be now my uh, sister. And we did a Google Earth. You know, I'd never done this be- thing before in my life. Maybe didn't know what it was. It was five or six years ago. And we went to this little farm in the north of England called Bell Farm. And we zoomed, you know, you can zoom on the laptop, zoom down on it. She hadn't seen it for like 80 years. And she wow. Yeah, she was a you know, 90-year-old lady. Oh, look at that. God, that, that's it. And she said, every Friday evening, she said, I went to the cinema uh, there, because it was during the war. It had a film one evening a week, and Mrs. Casper, Mrs. Casper, there from Norway, she's, she looked after her husband was in the war, a major, and would look after you for that uh, evening. And she said, look, look, there's the little cottage there. And we stayed in that cottage for more than two years and my job was to, do, to be the house cleaner and in return for being the house cleaner we had this little tiny little two-room cottage and, uh, and we lived in that uh, there. And the small kind of uh, uh, incidents sometimes touch us well and touch us uh, deeply and despite everything, single mum and all of that, sometimes love and kindness and is still coming out of the human being despite the history, despite the neglect, despite not having a mum around, despite the father who had no interest. Things don't quite work in such a psychological way because there are so many exceptions to that. And when the Buddha was asked on on this dependent arising in, in this, he said, it might be that your parents neglected you. It might be that your parents didn't give you the love that you deserved and you needed. It might, might be that they were selfish and just thought about everything else and really weren't available for you. He said, it might be like that. Therefore, Let me show friendship and love. Let me be generous. Let me be available. Let me practice that. I may not have received as a young, but let me, in my adult life, find ways and develop ways to be that 
which my parents could not offer. Otherwise, we just feel sorry for ourselves, don't we? So this dependent arising, as I mentioned, is not a passive response to situations. It's, in a way, more of an adventurous one. And it's a, uh, a way of seeing the possibilities, because of change, that we can apply and bring about changes and we really listen, need, really need the good wisdom and the good counsel of others. We mustn't expect ourselves to have all the answers, to understand dependent arising, to make the changes. The voice of the uh, others really is a tremendous support and there's a, a wealth of women and men on this earth who have much wisdom and insights and understanding. And we just want to keep in touch, keep listening, keep learning, see what nourishes us, to see how the best can be in that dependent arising uh, for, for us there. Enough. Let's have a quiet minute together, shall we? Thank you. May all beings explore dependent arising. May all beings realize insights into what is unfolding. May all beings live with love and liberation. <coughs>